Hello and welcome to the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast. I'm Jude Jennison, host of this podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I believe that leadership is about who we are being as much as what we are doing and that when we combine our brilliant minds with the emotional engagement from the heart, we can solve all of the world's problems. In this podcast, I interview leaders on their experiences of disruptive change and ask them how leaders can position themselves for the future. Find out what this week's leader has to say. Gillian Bailey is the Ops Director for Maintel, a technology organisation. We talk about the backdrop of the pandemic, as well as economic and political uncertainty, and how all of these impact employees personally, as well as in the business. Gillian explains how Maintel are handling hybrid working and the challenges of balancing the needs of a business with the needs of employees. We discuss the complexity of leading an organisation and developing middle managers to create business results in harmony with the physical and emotional well-being of employees. That's a lot. Have a listen. Hi Gillian, thanks for joining me today. Hi, thanks for, thanks for the invitation. Oh, it's great to have you here. Can you tell us who you are and what you do, please? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm Gillian Bailey. I'm the Operations Director at Maintel. Um, and Maintel are a provider of IT, telecoms, cloud services to, to businesses. So we deal with both the private sector and the public sector, but all our um, work is with um, business to business. Okay. And what are some of the challenges that you're seeing at the moment, obviously in the context of um, at the time of recording, we've got a new government, yes. um, another new government. We've got economic challenges. I mean, other than the the obvious, what what sort of challenges are you currently experiencing? I think they are the obvious challenges, but I, I don't want to kind of under underplay them or underestimate the impact that they have on our team members. Because I think, however busy or stressful the nine to five gets, I think when you then clock off and go home at night, you've you've got to contend with some of that stuff that can impact your personal life as well. So I think, I think it is there. I think it is the backdrop that that we're all working with, and every industry, every person is the same. But I I do think it has quite a sway on on individuals and how individuals come to work and approach works I think I think as you said it's there it's happening it's in the background but I think it is quite front and center for so many people I think outside of that for us specifically in our industry we have a hardware shortage so we know that many of our key vendors are struggling with the supply of kit into the UK and that that impacts our ability to deliver projects to our end users in a timely manner um, and that has all sorts of internal bottleneck issues, financial challenges and, and customer relation challenges as well. You know, it, it doesn't always put us in a, in a good position with our customers. So I think that's something we've had to battle with all year. Um, and then I think the biggie, which although we kind of we all want to put the pandemic and, and COVID and that uncertainty that 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 brought behind us, it, it is still very, very relevant to us. We have a number of offices across the UK. And, and our challenge is we already had a huge proportion of our workforce that had home-based contracts pre-pandemic. And now all our office-based contract people, we haven't mandated a return to work. So it's how do we galvanise that very disparate workforce that's already dotted around the country and sometimes comes into an office and sometimes doesn't? How do we galvanise that? How do we 
motivate that that group of of people how do we drive progress on specific initiatives and work streams and things so there's there's a very industry specific challenge for us in answer to your question I think there's a macro external challenge for us and then there's just how do we work these days how what's the what's the modern way to work what's the current how do we get that relevant work pattern structure for our team members and have you have you set out guidelines of how you do that or are you working through that in a more organic way what what's the approach that you're taking yeah I mean being really honest we've tried two very different approaches um one was um a very mandated return that everybody had to do three days a week and one of those days had to be a monday or a friday um and then that didn't really work for us i think we probably tried that too early with hindsight i think we were hitting people um with that very strict return to work policy a bit too early so we've kind of relaxed the rules slightly. And we did this in full consultation with our employee rep board, um, a forum I, I chair actually this year called Mental Matters. One of our execs chairs that forum every year and it's it's my turn this year. So we we talked to that forum and, and the feedback from our employees wasn't great on that. They felt that we, were, we weren't really taking into account people's feelings, views, what they'd all just been through, what they were still experiencing maybe with some vulnerable family members. So we, we, we relaxed our policy slightly. We said, look, we, we want to encourage you back into our offices Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you've got a home-based contract, you can still come into the office. You know, we welcome you in on team meeting days or whatever. And we issued guiding principles to all our managers that said, if you're doing this sort of thing with your team, it would be great to do that in an office rather than via Teams. Um, so if you're having a workshop or you're reviewing a process or there's something where you need to get around the table, try and encourage your team members to come in on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got um, a, another employee rep board called the Wellbeing Ambassadors. And they they do lots of things like education across the business on different wellbeing topics. But one of the things that they've done is they've done a series of theme days based on lots of random things we've got the Christmas jumper day in December coming up and things like that but just just kind of trying to pick key days that they can do a well-being day everyone comes into an office on that day and there's pizzas there's drinks there's whatever is associated to that day Um, and just to try and get that that fun bit of coming back into an office as well because I think we've also experienced where people have come back into an office and they've been really nine to five on back-to-back calls so not really engaged with anybody they've just kind of gone through the motions of being in an office but actually still stuck to their homework uh, you know team meeting or zoom fatigue as, as it's called isn't it and I think you've got to question the value of that hence the guiding principles really so what you know think about the topics for your team that day and, and let's meet up in an office that so we we've I think we've learned a lot over the last 12 months in terms of going from presuming that everything would be okay after the pandemic and actually just reducing it to three days we'd be fine to actually realizing that that wasn't well placed and and we actually needed to do a bit we had to do a bit more to get people into the office and make it relevant again it's a really difficult balance isn't it because on 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 the one hand um we need to to engage and and inspire people and mm. and and you can't substitute the face to face for building yeah. those relationships yeah. and those connections but actually we're also needing to balance that with the fact that people have got personal 
yeah. um, challenges as well. Um, and the and the daily commute is actually almost impossible with the you know with the with the railway at the moment. Yeah, of um, as as well. So how how do you find that delicate balance between what the business needs and what employees are wanting? I think the other learning that we've had to take is that that answer is very different team by team. So, for example, my local office is the Blackburn office um, in the northwest in Lancashire. And the the people that work out of that location are predominantly desk-based team members. Our office in the Midlands, however, by contrast, is, is because of its Midlands location, probably the base where everybody goes to have team meetings or it's like that central place that everyone can convene. So there's lots of more fluid footfall through the, the kind of location than there is in Blackburn. So in Blackburn, everybody needs to kind of really sit at their desk and, and they're in credit control or they're in our service desk or they're in the knock or something like that. And they, And really, they've just got to sit at their desk nine to five you know and and they've got a very different approach to work so I think the answer that's applicable and right for that kind of scenario is very different to kind of equally our London head office has lots of suppliers customers vendors you know all these sorts of different organizations coming in to use it as a base for meetings so we've got very different requirements for each of our offices and I think we've learned not to assume that one rule is, is right for each of those mm-hmm. um so i think if, if we look at the blackburn office where as i say everybody's very desk based it's about making sure that the desks are appropriate that people still feel safe to come in that there's breakout areas and and so that you've kind of ticked the environment box if you will so people feel comfortable in their surroundings and then it's okay well let, let's work on the billing team for example always need to be in the office around bill run day that's that's obvious but that works for them so they're all going to be concentrated in on those days whereas the service desk probably need to come in for some training and collaboration days so it looks different for them so i think a long-winded answer but i think that the answer is that you've got we have to tailor it now as a business we have to in order to get those key points across that we need for maintel we've got to think about the different teams and their requirements and balance it really and I think it's it's about give and take then isn't it because if the mm. billing team that I mentioned for example are in all next week for example the week after we probably won't see the billing team that often so it, it's about that give and take really. And are you finding that as a as a business that there's much more I mean you've mentioned um, doing well-being initiatives yeah, yeah. are you finding that as a business that there's much more awareness mm. of both physical and mental well-being I mean obviously there's always been for a long time there's been a, a big focus on health and safety yeah are you finding that there's much more awareness of expanding that into physical and mental well-being now yeah definitely and I I, I won't sort of profess that we've got it absolutely nailed in, in all areas but I think some of the things that we do so we do a virtual fitness class so we employ somebody who who shows us how to keep fit at our desks and things like that and it's done virtually so anyone can log on and and, and watch that from home or in the office or wherever um, the same person does some nutrition um, talk so how do you again get a balanced diet through the day when you're really busy and you know you need something to grab and go and just some ideas around nutrition um, <clears throat> we on um, for the menopause day recently we sent out loads of guidance for managers um, and for, for uh, team members around, you know, some of the things that they might think colleagues are experiencing or they're experiencing themselves. So it's 
it's about us trying to to think what might help I think there's always a balance with that that you you don't want to overstep the mark you you're the employer and you know if people want to come talk to you that's great but you you can't always go too much the other way but I think having those resources those things that people can dip in and out of as they want to I think that's really important for an employer to do as Mm. I say I think there's far more we can do I'm not suggesting we've got it all sewn up and, and and fixed but I think the fact that we've got that ability to provide resources that people can use as they need to is, is really powerful. It's a delicate there's a delicate tension isn't there between um, a, a business that's obviously there to, to drive results yes but yeah doing it through um, engaging the people and how do you yeah. make sure that the people are engaged inspired and physically and mentally well enough to yeah. engage in quite a complex way of working how are you finding the impact of that on managers because it, it feels like there's a lot more for managers to think about and to work with than they perhaps did two or three years ago yeah absolutely um and I think it's very difficult for um, I'm going to say the middle manager and below so the middle manager the team leader because certainly in, in ops which is a very busy department lots of customers to project manage and support and there's a it, from a transactional level it's a we get through a, a lot of throughput if you will but I think we're then expecting that middle manager or team leader to be responsible for team output so the quality of the project the quality of the support ticket whatever it might be but we're also then sort of saying can you also check on the well-being and pick up on the signs of somebody that you might not have sat in front of you anymore that Mm. might be at home you know a couple of days a week can you can you coach them through certain situations can you you know can you flag to more senior managers or our HR team or our well-being team you know so we I think we ask we are starting to ask probably a little bit too much of that middle management and mm. lower management certainly in my my company I think mm. at a senior manager level clearly the pressure is still there but I think probably at a more senior management level you've probably always had to think about lots of things and juggle lots of plates and and I think I just think it's a different level of complexity stress burden but I think I'm really seeing it at that more middle management level really that that we are asking a lot of them um Mm -hmm. you know again working in the IT sector or the technology sector as I do technology breaks technology goes wrong so now you know we've always been used to having our days disrupted because something's happened or we're pulled into a major incident or an escalation or something that that's kind of been in ops Mm -hmm. but I think you then compound that then with as I say, trying to manage a team that's sometimes remote, trying to remember to encourage office attendance, trying to make sure that the well-being steps are all thought about, that you're sharing these resources with the teams, you're identifying training requirements. It's become really broad, hasn't it? Almost overnight as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot It's a lot for managers to, to hold, isn't it? Because yeah. not only are they having to manage their own version of hybrid working and when do they yeah. go into the office and when do they not and manage their own mental and physical health yeah but they're also now expected to look out for that in their in their teams as well and yeah. not lose sight of creating the business results and and the thing that you're that you're there to do it's and yeah. I think that middle management has always been squeezed in the middle hasn't it yeah but I think that it sounds like the tension there and the pressure there is greater than ever yeah. How do you how do you support them through that? 
I think at the moment we we probably don't do as good a job of that as we could. Um, I've been reading lots recently on how we could maybe get some networks in place. So there's there's the obvious women in tech type network that, that we're looking at. But I think there's also how do you support that young manager group, um, aspiring manager group. Um, I think there's a lot more that we could do around networking and giving them some of the resources. There's there's a very old fashioned, old fashioned, I think it's old fashioned view that, you know, managers should leave their problems at the door and, mm. you know, suddenly turn into a very robotic world as soon as they sort of cross the threshold of the office door. And I think I think that's I think that's old fashioned. I think it's mm. impossible to do. And mm. I think it's, it's it's impractical, really. So I think mm. I think we, we can do a lot more in terms of some of those networks, resources, external speakers, being flexible with 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 deadlines but not to not to jeopardize business output as you say but just to just to try and reprioritize so we we've got a project at the moment that we need to do um we're reviewing one of the products that we um we develop so it's a piece of software that we develop in-house and we're doing a big 360 review on it but in order to really focus in on that we've we've recognized that the progress on some of our other initiatives has to stop and and that's that sounds dead obvious me just saying that to you in this environment but when you're actually in the in the mire of the day that's very difficult to say actually yeah. this bit I can park but this bit I need to do so that we've tried to sort of really recognize that with that very specific project to say it is important we need to deliver that for the business mm-hmm. but actually some of these other things unfortunately are just going to have to stop or be put on hold until you know q1 or something like that so I think I think it's about business awareness and and signposting that as well you know this is we're going to do this but this is stopping I think that's that's quite a new a new language a new message that we've had to put in place Mm. Um, but I I think I think that's the only way that you can do it that just be really mindful of deadlines um, pressure points you know things like that just just be really aware of them so Mm. I, I don't think there's there's a there's a there's an answer wider than that really that we've come up with other than managing deadlines managing workloads providing support networks really but I think you know what, what you're pointing to is the importance of prioritization and yeah. saying right this project is important and in order to execute this effectively we need to stop other things and I think that that takes a lot of courage to be able to say that and mm. to do it and to and to signpost it as you say because a lot of businesses don't a lot a lot will just keep going and you know one of the things I always say is it it's quicker to have an idea than it is to execute it yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> the, danger, yeah. the danger for for at the senior leadership level is you know when they're being strategic they can dream up ideas and, and come up with great ideas and I, I know I'm guilty of this in my own business where I, I can come with 10 ideas, mm. but I can only execute one or two of them at a time. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it, it does require courage for everybody to be able to say, actually stop because we can't do yeah. everything. I can't do everything you're asking me to do. How do you, how do you instill that in the, in the wider organization so that people do, you know, the middle managers or team leaders have that courage to say, actually stop because what you're asking is not is not physically or mentally or emotionally possible 
I think it's about the senior manager remembering to ask the question. I, I don't know that we've necessarily got a culture as mature yet to be able to feel comfortable to flag that. Not because it's a very... Um, you know, domineering culture. It's not at all. But I think naturally people think they've got to do everything that's in front of them. I think it's just a mm. natural reaction to being at work. So I think as the as the as the lead on some of these initiatives or the senior manager or their exec sponsor or whatever it is, I think I've always got to remember to ask the question, we want to do it. Can we do it? What about this project over here that I know you're involved in? And it's about coaching them through asking those sort of lead, more leading questions I guess to, to try and tease out the information I think I think that's then when the we're talking about the middle manager pressure I think that's what then the, the senior manager pressure that that has got to remember to to identify the impact of stopping to do something as well um, on the overall objective or you know business outcome that you, you're trying to get to and, and just asking those very probing questions so you know, and I think some of the decision making then has to be made at a more senior level with the wider view in, in mind. Um, I mean, hopefully the utopia is obviously that people can start to identify things like that for themselves. But I, I'm not so sure that we're there yet to be able to mm. do that. Yeah. And I think I think what's great is that you're identifying that because I think that's that's already the first stage, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> of of yeah. recognising that actually we need to to be more clear and and also the importance of aligning that at the senior leadership level yes. because yeah. because it, it's one thing if you know you're part of the organization you say okay this is what we're focusing on this is the priority and we're going to stop these other things and then somebody else is stopping something else and then before you know it you're not aligned and I think yeah that that can create discrepancies and tension at the middle management and below as well can't it so I think yeah absolutely I think that level of alignment at the senior leadership level is is actually a really crucial part of making sure managing the mental health actually of and the stress yeah. level yeah of, of course. the organization and I've been um, very keen sorry just on that point I've been very keen to to make sure that my team see that actual conversation with my peers at the, in the EMT, so the exec management team. So in different workshops that we've had, I've, I've openly said, okay, we're going to park this, but we're going to do this. And, and they can then see that, that that kind of joined upness, if you will, is happening at, at an exec level. Um, right. And I'm also hoping that by witnessing that sort of behaviour from us as an exec team, that in time as a natural feed down the organisation. Mm. And then coming back to um, hybrid working and working yeah. from home and working in the office, how do you how do you manage all of that, knowing that there are some people that are maybe not in the office that don't see that level of conversation going on? How do you how do you make sure it is inclusive, so that the people who aren't physically present are also getting the the communication? Mm. we put a lot of effort into communication in Maintel again do we get it always right um, I'm probably not but we've got quite um, a strong cadence around monthly 
um, exec calls. So there's a top-down, all-hands type call. There's something then very similar in my department where we do an ops, all-hands call, which gets very, it gets to a granular level around. These are the projects that we're dealing with. This is the focus this month. This is the priority. This is how we performed last month. It's got a little bit more kind of granular information. Um, that is a, a PowerPoint deck that all the managers have that they can talk in more detail at, the, at their team meetings as well. So we put, we're trying to put a lot of effort into what our message cascade looks like each month. The comms plan around one-to-ones, team meetings, that's all mandatory. So it's all, it's all there. There's got to be a regular rhythm around it. So I think, I think that is the only way to do it and just... You know, even if you get zero attendance at a call, which we haven't had yet, but even if you did, you've got to still do it. You've still got to send the pack out. You've still got to do the call. Um, you've got to make sure that people have listened again, check in so that you've checked on their understanding. So I think it's all it all stems really from the comms plan. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of day to day kind of lower level messages if you will. So something that probably wouldn't stick in the cascade pack, but it's it's there and it's important you do have to trust that that structure of team leader, manager, middle manager is, is, is dealing with that on a day-to-day -day basis. And we do get to see people, although probably less frequently than we did pre-pandemic, but we do get to see people, you know, on occasion, at least. Yeah. Um, Gillian, what kind of a leader are you, do you think? I like to think I'm an approachable leader. Um, I, some of my direct reports would um, say that I'm probably an over-optimistic leader. So I, I try and see the good in everything, try and galvanise everything. Come on, well, it'll all be great. Let's move on. So that there's a little bit of that in my leadership style. Um, I never, ever want to take anything for granted, whether that be a customer situation, a technical situation, a people situation. Um, I think every every situation deserves a level of um you know investigation you know just that that engagement point is so valuable i think um i i am a, a multitasker uh, which does drive people in my team mad <laughs> and i know that's probably one of those interview type responses as well but I, I do i know i have an ability to juggle multiple things all day every day um, but as I say, I, I also know the downside of that, that it drives my team mad because I sometimes don't recognise that they aren't running at the pace I am maybe on a certain topic. So that that's that's not a great part of my profile, but something I am more and more aware of as, as we go through. But yeah, I, I, I've tried not to give a very bland answer to that question, but just to try and give a more rounded input and view on to, to my sort of style, really. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think what, what I'm hearing with that is that there's a there's an awareness that you have of what's working and what's not. Mm. And um and I think that, you know, that multitasking is is actually a fundamental part of how we work today, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. and yet it creates tension with the team that want to particularly people who want to be solely focused and and not everybody does. And and I think therein lies the challenge, doesn't it, of how do we lead people who want to be led in different ways? There are some who will get bored if they're doing the same thing all day. And yeah. then there are others who want to be, to have that sole focus. And yeah, and that's, I think that's the challenge that we've got with the, the hybrid working as well, isn't it? Is that we're trying to lead people 
in different ways in the way that they want to be led but we've also got our own styles as well and yeah and there yeah. therein lies the the melting pot of the challenge of how we lead a team and an organization now mm. um which is which is tricky and um, in terms of the the challenges that you've got ahead I know I know you said that you had a, a C a new CEO pre-pandemic yeah and, what, what sort of changes are you foreseeing in the next, you know, in the next 12 months? I think, um, you know, that Jorn's come into our organisation um, and obviously had lots of ideas when he joined. And I think some of those were maybe paused due to the pandemic. Um, he's, he's quite entrepreneurial, very driven, um, clearly wants to grow Maintel beyond its current position. And I think now that we are getting to a little bit more of a, a real world if you will so we, we are we are stabilizing aren't we as a as a as a nation post-pandemic I think ignoring the politics but we won't get drawn into that but you know what I mean I think now is the time you can kind of really put in some of those ideas and shape the business and drive the business I think we are we're about to experience next year uh, what should be a more normal year for us so if you think back to the start of this year we, we were still weren't we in in areas of lockdown and things like that so I think mm-hmm. next year will be the first full year as crazy as that sounds of having Johan as our CEO and the board and and every and the EMT will have been obviously a lot more established then and, and just really driving through some of the things that we want to do so I think rather than it being all about acquisitions and, and massive deals and big deals it's all about stabilization so I'm, I'm working with a, an external consultancy at the moment that's helping me identify what the target operating model is for ops so what do we need to be able to keep up with and keep um, keep being relevant in the tech space that is changing so how do we become a true cloud provider so where I'm working on um, on that with a, an organization um, called ICOR which is, is going really well and then also as an exec team level we're working with an organization called Lewis that's kind of looking at our vision our mission our core values and and weaved in that we've, we're also working with a company called Smart Tasking who are helping us look at at a management level around um, how we work better together as an EMT, SMT. So EMT being the exec team, SMT being some of our direct reports and how do we work together as a true leadership unit to drive change and sustainable change. Mm. Um, And then I think the final um, action work stream that we've got is we're, we're sort of looking from a DX perspective. So our IT team are leading a DX program just to help simplify our system infrastructure and improve our data integrity. So actually being at work is easier for our people. Um, Mm -hmm. Things hang together better, systems flow better, processes work. Um, So there's there's a lot coming up and and that sounds like an awful lot of stuff that we're on with, but actually it's all about integration, efficiency, making Mentel a great place to work, making Mentel a bit of an easier place to work as well. Mm -hmm. And and just, just trying to, recover from lots of the acquisitions that we've done over the years to make truly kind of one main tell. And, and whilst that might sound a little cliche, I think actually that that's going to stand us in really good stead for, for whatever else is thrown at us over the coming years, really. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I'm hearing from that is, is, um, is that balance of leading change and, and knowing that change is always going to create uncertainty. Yeah. 
and and yet making that easier for employees to navigate yeah. because I think at the moment we're all a little bit change weary yeah and yeah. yet we need to create change to move forward so what I'm hearing is there's that that delicate balance between creating stability through change yeah absolutely yeah and I think one of the things that I've learned over the years is that when you do any sort of change or you try and embark on a change program you focus in from a people perspective very much on the people that are directly impacted so if it's a cost out or an in-source or an outsource or something like that naturally your focus is on the people that that directly impacts but I think what I've learned over the years is it's as important to engage the people not directly impacted as it is those impacted because change creates uncertainty not just for the people involved but for the people that are watching in from the side yeah. um and 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 that in itself is easier said than done because mm. any change program creates a volume of work and, and naturally as I say your focus tends to go where you think it's needed the most but I think if you can take a step back and stop and engage the people not directly impacted it really benefits the overall program massively absolutely yeah and I think it's it's a piece that's often overlooked isn't Mm. it is that is recognizing that any change is going to actually affect the whole organization yeah and it's easy to do it's so easy to do to be focused and very blinkered and and think that you're doing the right thing because you're focusing on that direct group of of employees or team members but I think actually as I say, just just remember to take a step back, and and I've learned that the hard way. I think over the years, but hopefully yeah. we, we 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 can do. It. I think that's something I always try and think about when we're going to any sort of change. Yeah, I, I'll give you um, it, 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 you know that I work with a herd of horses. Yes. Um, to develop leaders, and and the way I always think of it is that if you're standing in a field and you've got a herd of horses around you, and you're just focused on the one horse in front of you there can be all sorts of chaos going on around you yeah and horses kicking off and suddenly you might find that there's a herd of horses galloping at you that you just haven't noticed because you're so focused on the relationship with the one in front so so it is about being able to switch from being really focused on what you're trying to achieve right in front of you but also yeah. having that watching brief around you to make sure that you know things aren't just going to come at you out of nowhere yeah absolutely yeah and I think the the recovery from any change cycle is important as well so you might think on your project plan that the change is done but actually that kind of revisiting it speaking to people doing more comms explaining bits checking in that that's really valuable as well so once you Mm. post the change just doing that that extra really yeah it never it never really stops does it no no Final question for you, Gillian. What keeps you awake at night? Um, I'm going to give a very naff answer to that in that not a lot does. I do have an ability to switch off. And I think if you can get to that place where you can switch off, do, mm. please do. And I know yeah. that's that's the utopia for a lot of people. But, but genuinely, I think you need hobbies and interests and reading whatever it is that's your bag just do it to switch off um but in terms of what really does keep me awake I think it is about in my sector it's about how we keep abreast of that technology change and how technology is evolving and how we kind of keep up with the pace Mm. And, and importantly how do we do that skills transformation with our team members and at an appropriate pace so it's not appropriate for me to go out and hiring you know lots of new cloud engineers or send all the current engineers that we've got on cloud courses or whatever that might look like it's an evolution Mm -hmm. and I think that's the bit that 
that for me is a real standout because that in itself will bring more change. So everything we've just talked about there about change programs and bringing people on the journey and engaging all the wider teams and stuff, that that's just going to keep happening. That's going to be there and 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 kind of accelerate at a pace that I don't think we've seen yet. So I, mm. I think that's the bit for me, that how, as, as the leader of an ops function, how do we really stay relevant um, and how do we future-proof our skills and future-proof our teams and things? Yeah, and and there therein lies a brilliant question, which is a whole other podcast, I think. But you know, <laughs> what what I would just say with that is that w- what you're speaking to is the evolution of change. That I yeah. think in the past we've seen change projects as I've done that project now that's done. Actually, now what we're seeing more of is that change is e- evolutionary. Yeah, and therefore the uncertainty that we've particularly had over the last couple of years is here to stay and that we need to develop and develop the skills to be able to to cope yeah. with that without our stress levels going sky high yeah yeah Gillian it's been fascinating to talk to you thank you so much for your time today oh, thank you thank you I'm struck by the courage that it takes for a leader like Gillian to put a stop to certain projects in order to focus on the key priorities very few people do that Many leaders I talk to at the moment are struggling to prioritise because everything is deemed to be important. But we can't execute as fast as we can create new ideas. So it takes awareness, humility and empathy to recognise when to say no and also how to make sure the key priorities are aligned all the way through the organisation. Gillian's humility in recognising that she's not got it all perfect is refreshing That humility opens the door for a better quality of conversation. Where do you need to say no? What would you prioritise if you accepted that you can't do it all? That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company specialising in non-verbal behavioural change in leaders and teams. You can find out more about how I help leaders and teams communicate more effectively through change on my website, judejennison.com, or connect with me on LinkedIn. For now, keep leading, and I'll be back soon with another interview on leading through uncertainty.